Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Browntree. So today we have a, a dope show on tap for you. Listen, this brother, man, he's, he's, I, I was, I wanted to call him James Brown, right? Cause he's like the, he's he not the hardest working man in show business, but he's definitely the hardest working man in, in mental health and, and helping destigmatize what it means to be a black man in mental health. He's a father. He's a veteran. He's a philanthropist. He's an author and the founder of the movement Men to Heal. He got some, I, I see he got some other dope stuff, some cheesy dates, board game stuff that he, we gonna talk about that. But I wanna welcome to Rhetorically Speaking, the hashtag you good man episode, therapist James Harris. How you feeling, brother? God, my commonwealth brother. What's going on, <laughs> man? Word. Yo, it's funny you say that. Like I was listening to, a podcast last week with Bomani Jones and Howard Bryant sports podcast. And it was like, yo, can you name all the commonwealths? And I was like, I'm sitting there thinking like, well, damn, what the hell is a commonwealth? <laughs> right? Like we got Pennsylvania, Virginia, right? So that's where, where you, for, where, where you are. But I'm like, yo, first, I don't know what a commonwealth is. And I don't know any of them outside of Virginia and, and, and Pennsylvania. So do, do you know what a commonwealth is? So from what I understand, well, to clear it up, I only know the two, I'll two, you know, so it's the same. But from what I understand, I think all the, the laws and regulations came from, you know, the Queen and England and all the other stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But, all right. So you like you know, 10 steps ahead of me already. Because as soon as you said yeah. the Queen, that's when I said that. Yeah, the colonies and all of that. So, yeah. Uh, Okay. That's probably a history lesson that somebody got to do, man. Yeah, yeah. That's why they trying to they trying to stop teaching, you know, our history and Black history and, the, and which is the history of America, and and I guess trying to teach that more, maybe. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't know. But listen, brother. First, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in giving folk their flowers, so I appreciate you. Thank you for for taking the time to come out um, and, and join us. Like I said, you somebody I've watched in like the like everywhere I see. Like you popped up somewhere here and there. I'm like, yo, do you ever sleep? You know what I mean? Like, like, but I, I recognize that for you. Um, and let me know if I'm wrong. Like this is cathartic for you. And I think that it's important in, in your mental health journey for you to be as active and, 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 um, expressive and, and talking about mental health. Is, is that a fair assessment? Very fair assessment, man. Because I mean, for the people who don't know my story, I was doing entrepreneurship before I became a therapist. Um, but my therapeutic journey started when I was younger. I was a ward of the state. So therapy was mandatory. And, uh, it wasn't a pleasant experience, man. Wait, wait. Uh, but before before you go on, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because I, I don't want to automatically assume people know what ward of the state means. So can you explain? Because I think, and I think that's a critical part in your journey. So can yeah. you explain to them what a ward of the state is? So... A ward of the state is a foster care and group home. Pretty much you're, you are entity of the state. You know, the state has guardianship of you. So um, at that time, you know, this was 20 plus years ago, uh, therapy was mandatory and it wasn't a pleasant experience. You know, I'm this young black kid from the projects and all the therapists were older white people, you know, men or women. So it wasn't a, uh, a cohesive collective experience. It was a lot of cultural difference differences, you know, whether it's age, ethnicity, um, and just, you know, not understanding 
like for me, I viewed it as a check in the box for the system opposed to let's actually help the clientele, you know, or the people that mm. we're serving, you know? So for me, that's where it started. And now my passion, you know, is I want to ensure that I'm building that rapport and creating that solid foundation for the people I serve. And then fast forward later, man, uh, joined the army eight years, two deployments, one Iraq, one Afghanistan, and the same thing happened. Uh, no, the therapist at that time at the VA didn't have combat experience either. So that's why a lot of vet, a lot of veterans tend to not go to therapy or therefore prefer to go to the groups, you know? So for me coming back to like, yo, this is something I got to do, whether that's helping a young boy that's in, um, you know, that that's developing and want to pursue therapy or want to learn something different or that my fellow veteran that want the help, but just don't know who to go to because it's not a, you know, somebody that he can, he can discuss certain things wouldn't feel like it's validated or appreciated. So that's what my journey is here. So yeah, I guess in a sense for what you just said, it is a, a, a relief for me. It's that, that gratifying feeling of being able to serve the people, um, in which I was looking towards or looking for when I was coming up in the system. Word, word. So uh, you you brought up two specific time periods for you, right? And when I think about what they are, we're talking about being in foster care, child welfare. We know that that can be a traumatic experience. And then when we're talking about uh, first being in the military, number one, right? And then being a, 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 a a black man in in the military, right? Like the the Black Panthers, one of the ten points was no black man belongs in a white man's army because they recognize that the war that they're they're fighting on the outside, right? They got to come back home and still be treated like second class citizens, and that's what so many of our of our of our ancestors and shoot current veterans, um, such as yourself, have to to deal with. So can you can you talk about like juxtaposing like those traumatic experience because i would i would think that going into to war is traumatic right even if you're just going over there as a as a nurse or something like that but going over into combat that can be traumatic so can you speak to that yeah yeah so trauma is a lot of people don't know what trauma is trauma is a, a extreme stressful situation uh that you can witness let alone be a part of um but for me, I was actually in combat. On both my deployments, man, I was a gunner. So I was a combat engineer. And I was in Iraq 07, 08 when the surge happened. Uh, that was one of the deadliest times mm. on record in Iraq. Um, and my unit, we lost four people, man. Um, oh, wow. Like I said, I was a gunner. So that traumatic experience was definitely real. Um, not only that, just the military itself was a traumatic experience to me because it was a culture shock. One, I'd never been around that many white people, you know what I'm saying? And for me, it was a situation where I joined the military for survival. Um, I emancipated myself at 16 from the group home. So 16 to 18, I was homeless, you know what I mean? So when I got to college my freshman year, spring break, winter break, summer break, I was sneaking back in the dorm room. I was fortunate. I went to HBCU, St. Paul's College, which no longer exists. Um, so it was one dorm for males, one dorm for women. And uh, my dorm was right on, on the first floor. So I was able to sneak back in with my refrigerator and my microwave, little portable joint, uh, during summer break, winter break, and stuff like that. So my sophomore year, I made the decision like, yo, I'm not, I'm not about to do this again. So that's when I joined the army. And then of course, you know, I'm again, survival mode. I'm here to eat. I'm here to, to uh, you know, um, 
have somewhere to sleep, save my money to make sure my brother and sister good because they was they younger, they were still in the system. So for me, that's mm-hmm. what it was. So that you talk about trauma, you talking about grief, you talking about depression, you talking about so many other things going on in addition to these superior people yelling at you, you know, putting oh, wow. you through rigorous tasks. Um, and and on paper and in in those tasks I excel, you know, I, I remember in basic training, um, you know, getting standards, getting different, making uh, different benchmarks and being in leadership positions and stuff like that. And it continued on through all my journey within the military. I did my eight years, got out, man, you know, E5 sergeant, uh, promotable, but, you know, I didn't pursue it beyond that just because I knew like it was so much more of my community that needed me, my family that needed me. And then to be honest with you, man, I just grew from a place of I don't really like authority you know not that type of authority you know what I'm saying like I don't really like the structure is cool but the type of authority that they think that people still need you know what I'm saying like you don't have to yell at me you don't have to you know direct and dictate certain things to me you can talk to me like I'm talking to you opposed to that traditional military sense like I wasn't with that no more you know what I'm saying I Mm. guess I became too rebellious and too independent uh, for certain structures. And and that's why my entrepreneurship is the way it is. And that's why, you know, like I I do what I want to do. I wear what I want to wear. I talk how I want to talk because I don't want that structure. I don't want that. This is what professionalism is. No, you can do whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like I own multiple businesses. I'm in city hall doing building permits, you know, grilled up and talking my urban vernacular master's degree some doctoral classes i don't want people to feel like that white man standard is what it is you know it's so many different um walks of life that one can have and still be eclectic and educated in so many other things word word that's well said well said. Uh, I, I think I guess I'm just fascinated about about this journey, right? Because you know, reading the bio and knowing you a little bit, right, and 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 hearing about dealing with foster care and just everything that comes with that. You talk about that 16 to 18 period where you you emancipated yourself, and the reason maybe the reason why I I bring it up is just because we a lot of times we overlook the you know adolescence right we overlook the their experiences as, as far as teenagers you see that especially for for black for black boys say i'm about to say black men right we talking 16 to 18 i'm about to say black men why because this is how we've been conditioned to view them no black boys and black girls and so i'm thinking about just that experience and and how that didn't sour you or, or if it did sour you just to this idea of protecting my wellness and, and continuing to work towards goals. So in, in hindsight, you know, I guess sitting in the seat that we're sitting in now, I can say that it robbed me of adolescence. You know what I'm saying? It forced me to grow up earlier, forced me to mature earlier. Um, you know, that emotional maturity wasn't there as it should have been just being placed in certain positions and and certain things that adults should have been doing at those time periods. I had to do those things, which is good. I'm fortunate for it. I've developed, but you know how we can view now, like something was not being substituted or something was overcompensated in those areas in which I should have been an adolescent. I should have just been, you know, worrying about prom and worrying about, um, 
you know, playing sports or getting good grades. Like I was literally worried about trying to eat, you know what I'm saying? But emancipating my, as myself at 16 was, was definitely my doing. Um, and looking back, I wouldn't have done it a, a, any different way. I remember being 14 sitting on the edge of the bed and I would, my, my same quote to this day, if they can feed you, they can starve you. Um, and I live by that, you know what I'm saying? So I just made the decision not to have anybody in a position to, you know, have all that power over me. So I'd much rather have that power myself, whether it's positive or negative, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then at, at 16 came, I was like, yeah, I'm out. So, you know, signing my permission slips in school, going back and forth with the teachers, like, yo, I can sign my own permission slip, like I'm my own guardian. So yeah. it, it was that time period to when uh, social services had to, like, I, I want to say they had to mail the papers because fax machines and emails wasn't as, you know, accurate as it is now. So mm -hmm. it took like, it took a couple months for them to actually mail the paperwork from Department of Social Services. So that was a whole battle trying to tell my teachers like, yo, like, I don't know who to tell you to, to call about my grades or whatever. Like wow. I'm my own guardian, yeah. you know? So that was a, a stint in itself. Um, but outside of that, man, I, I definitely enjoyed the journey. I embraced the journey and I'm fortunate because, you know, it, it developed me, but of course, you know, I lacked in some areas as far as that um, being a kid, you know what I'm saying? Like just doing regular stuff, I guess. Word, word. And so at first, thank you for your, your transparency and, and, and ex letting us in on your resilience, right? Because that's what it takes to be able to get to where we are today. What is it? December 13th at 8, 19 p.m. I always talk about how uh, it's amazing that we get to the moment that we're in, right? It's, and it's no fail short of whatever most high you believe in, right? And, and our own perseverance. And so with that, um, the reason why I wanted to have you on is I know you do a lot of work with men. If, if they don't know and they, they, they you might not be able to see, I don't want to take it for granted that everybody can can view your T-shirt and view your hat, you know, yeah. pr promoter extraordinaire. You know what I mean? Promoter extraordinaire. Uh, the work that you do with men, right? How has your personal experience informed the work that you do with men? So for me to be to be real with you, like that vulnerability equating a weakness doesn't really exist on my behalf. Like I definitely ensure that I'm vulnerable, I'm open, I'm uh, emotionally available, not only for my family, but to the public as well, you know? Um, and I, I think that's what's lacking in a lot of different areas. People want a, a hard exterior from men, but you know, deep down that man wants to be um, able to express himself without being, you know, uh, demonized for doing such or called soft or weak or whatever the case is and it shouldn't have to happen once that male get a family or once he's in a position to where he's working with all women you know it should happen naturally because again like these are human qualities not just gender qualities and i think society oftentimes view them as such like oh this is for men this is for women and that put people in a box and then you have all these other statistics that's going on whether that's um, like a lot of women being sexual abused, but not a lot of men saying, yo, I'm, I'm a perpetrator, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Or I'm, I'm a rapist or I'm 
I harass somebody, you know, so it, it's a fine line between that. Like if somebody, if a woman is saying these things happen, but no men are holding other men accountable or no validation for those things, like where, where's the line, you know? So for me, I feel that expressing it and, and assisting other men to express their, their needs, their wants, their emotions, their feelings. Um, and some I often say on my pages, feel your feelings, not just those, oh, he's mad, he's upset. Oh, he's happy. Like feel all of them, you know, and it should be expressed and, and it should be validated from the people around you, you know. Word, word. And, and we definitely want to delve a little bit deeper into that. Uh, but I, I, I'm curious, like, and I know my, my work with men and what the response is, but what has been the response from men that you've that you've worked with? So not only do I get responses from the men themselves, but of course, vicariously, uh, the, the children, the wives, the partners, then, you know, even with my book, man, this is a, is a review on there. Um, this, this lady, they've been married 45 years. And she said, listen, this is the most my husband and I ever exchanged dialogue on feelings and emotions and stuff like that uh, because of your book. So for me, that was gratifying in itself. I'm 35, you know, they've been married longer than I've been born, you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? So for, for that to happen, you know, I, I just was overwhelmed. I was excited, you know, and the tool uh, has began to continue to work for itself. But of course, a lot of um, fathers, a lot of men themselves say, yo, I'm glad I was able to break the cycle. I'm glad I was able to show my little ones something different. Or I'm a I'm a better teammate now. You know I'm I'm interacting now. I'm, I'm okay with talking to my coaches now when I'm not feeling a certain way. I'm not worried about sitting out a game because I'm having these thoughts or I'm sad or feeling a certain way. You know, prior to this, I was thinking like I had to be tough or you know be hard or whatever. And I'm playing a game and I'm, I'm not feeling none. I'm, I'm numb. I'm emotionally detached. I'm so many other things. So I, I get a lot of those. Um, variations of like i'm happy that i'm able to just be opposed to um you know fronting and not being authentic within yourself like i don't think they intentionally think they're not being authentic but it's that that bad product of oh man i gotta do this anyway because they looking or they gonna call me xyz you know yeah so yeah. now it's more a response of no nah, i'm good so it I guess it's the boundaries around it, but enforcing those boundaries to saying, hey, you know what? I ain't really feeling this. I'm going to sit this one out and not worrying about people saying, oh, you weak, you know, or you can't handle X, Y, Z or what, you know, so I, I get that a lot. Okay. Okay. And so, and so with that said, right. And, and you getting a, a, a positive and healthy response from, from brothers, can you speak to just the harm that, not being ex expressive in a, in a healthy way, what that can do to a a brother. So, I mean, for a long time, people thought the mind and body wasn't connected, and we now we know probably within the last ten to fifteen years, there's been extensive research saying they are connected. So, uh, even to this day, like you said, twenty twenty one December thirteenth, uh, the number one killer among men, African American men specifically, is heart disease. You can get heart disease from stressing. Um, you can get hypertension, diabetes, and so many other things, specifically with African-American men running generationally. Um, so in addition to that, being hypervigilant, you know, uh, that stress, all of those things 
um, the mental can impact the physical and the physical can impact the mental. So those are some of the harmful things if, if one is not, you know, just checking his overall wellness, not just his mental health or not just his physical health. You got to ensure that both those things are um, correct because even if you're not emotionally well, I, and I, one of the issues is I think a lot of people think that mental illness and mental health is the same thing. Like they hear that illness piece and they automatically assume Hollywood and, you know, somebody's in a dark room screaming and yelling hair all over the place or in a media yeah. state. But mental health is your overall well-being. You know, what I mean, that's your, your emotional, that's your mental and your physical comprise into one. So it's harmful if you don't slow down and pace yourself or you don't reduce that hypervigilance or you don't monitor your stress levels and identify your triggers and find positive ways to cope so those things can be detrimental to not only you but the people vicariously around you too word word i think you bring up a good point about the 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 relationship between mind body spirit and what and how those are all uh how they all intersect right and so uh, i have marcel here and he says he felt like his previous position triggered him to have diabetes, right? And so what you were speaking to, this stress, right? This stress that that bl many black men feel already just by the very nature of the position. This similar to you know folk who watch sports, the quarterback, right? Like as soon as you're the quarterback, you get you get everything, right? You get everything. You get the good and you get the bad, right? If things go wrong, then it's on you. And so it feels like black folk are wa immediately walking into this position of unfortunately being at a deficit, right? When we view it from the lens of, of, of white folk. And so that stress influences things like overeating and, and what have you, which can turn into um, something like diabetes and, and physical ailments. So thank you, Marcel for for sharing i know you spoke about relationships you spoke about the 45 year i must say 45 year old 45 year anniversary of or not anniversary but marriage of that that man and that woman and so can you speak to just the what and and i, I hate using the term healed man because it's so cliche now but what an unhealed man looks like and and how they show up in a relationship so i mean to be real with you like i don't really like that word either like i <laughs> like it i like it as a a model as a staple but the the actions to it because that's ongoing you know what i mean like i don't think one can like all right cool i'm healed i'm done like i think one still has to do the work like i you know like it's it's always a practice to be healed or to to navigate that journey but um for one that's not you know, I guess, quote unquote, healed or in pursuit of being healed in this relationship, it can be met with a lot of resistance, you know, whether that's poor communication, whether that's um, reckless behavior, you know, whether that's lack of, or, or I guess the emotional maturity piece, um, you know, attachment styles, all of those things can be comprised in it if one is not only uh, healed or aware of themselves in the relationship, you know what I'm saying? And I think not only for men itself, but for women as well. Like when you're entering a relationship or a partnership with somebody, you definitely have to ensure that you've done the work on self prior to that. 
Um, and a lot of people don't though. A lot of people feel that they can hop into a relationship with their baggage and somebody's gonna accept it or somebody's gonna compromise, which they're not obligated to. And I think a lot of people got this mindset of traditional relationships where people were just staying. But now we view it, we see it like it's so many different opportunities for one to go to another relationship or to just be solo and, and deal with their own stuff. So hopefully that's the outcome in, in many places. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I when I think about, about men and relationships and how they show up, I, I, I think about my last, one of my last relationships that got me into therapy. She actually hit me up one time, like, I'm sick of you talking about me on your podcast. Like, it was that bad. And I'm like, sis, it was that bad. And then she ended up going to therapy and she was like, yo, that shit was bad. You know what I mean? Just based on where we were in our journey and and how we'll put, we'll justify being in unhealthy relationships because of things like fear, right? Because of insecurity that I have no idea who I am. Uh, I was on with Tavis Smiley today, name drop. Uh, I feel like Kanye when he was in, uh, <laughs> when he was on, yeah, he was on Drake Chance. Like, I went Elon Musk. E no, he said Elon. Elon picked me up. And then the CEO of Balenciaga, you know, he shined my shoes, right? <laughs> and so uh, when I was on with Tavis Smiley today, he asked me about um, what is the purpose of of ensuring one's mental health as, as a man. And I talked about identity, right? Like, identity is so big. And that's why we see so many br young brothers, old brothers who have no idea of their place in the world because they don't know who they are, right? So can you speak to that? So I think also it comes with accountability too. Like your man that just typed in, he said like he, what do you say? He's in that that leadership position or he's in some position to where he, he felt like that job was causing him stress or causing him those health issues. So like that accountability piece, like he feels like one, either he got that position or he has to live up to that position in which he was given, you know, so that can be an issue in itself too. Um, and that, that perception of others can cause one to be as stressful as heck too, just thinking that you have to be a certain way and not truly living or doing what you feel that you should be doing for yourself. Like those things can be detrimental to, to anybody, specifically the man, uh, African-American man at that because Oftentimes you got to provide or you, you know, you got a, a secondary job or you in this relationship, you got children, you got family, you got so much riding on your shoulders. So it's difficult or to find those pockets of places to to grieve or to process or to debrief, you know, even if it's not a full pledge let me go and count to 10 or let me go and meditate or let me write in a journal or let me let me hit the gym because oftentimes you might be in a situation to where you back to back to back or you got this this wall up to where you can't let anybody in and they they viewing you you know going through this cycle or this destruction period you know so those things can definitely be uh one of those things but like you said i, I like i like what you said too as far as the um um which you when when you and Travis was talking, yeah, and, and you know, and and Kylie when he talks about just the idea of healed, he says heal suggests that we are broken, but I believe we are responding appropriately to our environment. So it's more of continued unlearning and learning, and I and I completely agree with that, right? And when we talk about learning and unlearning, um, I know when we talk about this idea of identity, 
we we look no further, right? And again, I'm always talking about Jay Z, how I'm super critical of Jay Z, even though it might be my, one of my favorite rappers of all time. But when you love something enough, you you love it enough to 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 critique it. I think that's what Baldwin said, and but he said it more eloquently than that. And so when we think about learning, unlearning, and identity, the role of hip hop and its influence on black men and and their wellness, would you say that there's a a a relationship that exists there like some of what hip-hop talks to us about and what it preaches and how it impacts how we show up and subsequently our mental health yeah yeah so for me i know personally i'm careful with i ingest not just not just from a food intake perspective but from social media from music you know from tv all of those things and i do believe they can have lasting impacts on us um but I would say, you know, I guess I'm in agreement that uh, certain, so in, in certain aspects, I do believe it at, to be art, you know, like I'm just creating this masterpiece. Um, so it could be my lyrics is just art as if Denzel was doing art in, in training day, you know what I'm saying? We don't view Denzel as a, you know what I mean? That person all the time, that specific character. So. For some artists, I do view it as, oh, he artistic, he got lyrics, he got bars. But some artists too, I feel that it's attention grabbing and it could be um, driving the narratives within certain specific uh, parts, you know, in, in different areas. And it could be detrimental because people are viewing it and people are gravitating to it and trying to implement those things. So it could be depending on where you are. So has has hip hop influenced you in a well? I, I'll, I'll rephrase it. How has hip hop influenced you? Uh, I mean, I, I guess overall, though, I, I don't know if it's a hip hop thing, but but from a style perspective, you know, what I mean, I like I, I'm from Richmond, so I like to dress a certain way. Um, what what, what that what that mean? I'm not familiar with with Richmond. Y'all a little further down further down south, so I know y'all yeah. wear like like green Tim's and stuff, you know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> green Tim, so the, you talking about the beef and broccolis or something, man. <laughs> right. But nah, I mean, so yeah, I, you know, style-wise, a lot of phones, Jordans, uh, forces, depending on, on it. And I, I guess one would say those are things that uh, shifted over from a hip hop perspective, you know, um, but I, I guess everybody now equate hip hop to everything, like okay. from an influence perspective, you know what I'm saying? So whether that's the, the movies or, cause every movie probably got a, 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 a artist or rapper in it. You know, it's a lot of people um, who actually did theater in class or, you know, was thespians and not getting jobs. And a lot of people who are rappers and entertainers got these followings, they're getting all the positions. So it all depends. I guess that influences is pretty much in everything. Were because I, they, you know, I asked just because again, I have this interesting relationship where uh, I'm sitting here, I might be playing a video game and and you know jeezy come on and he got all the cocaine in the world that he's selling everybody right then and there and then i have to stop myself and say oh fam like i recognize the harm that this caused and i think one of the things that when we talk about this idea of accountability and maybe why i'm so critical of folk first holding myself accountable but then looking at what that means and the impact that it has in in our community so i i, I know when you know just like many of us uh, i think every therapist when Meek uh, when Meek Mill posted, Philly's own posted 
uh, we got to find a way to make like therapy cool again or, or something like that. And every therapist worth they saw came out and it was just like, fam, what are you talking about? Like, you like, and this goes speaks to the influence of people. It started a conversation, right? And so, you know, conversely, when he's talking about, you know, popping mollies and, you know, back then, then he talked about he had, he had an addiction to him, like how that influences us as, as black boys and black men and how it impacts our mental health. Yeah. So, and, and the wild thing is when he said that statement, man, I made two posts and they went crazy. Actually, the video went wild um, because I, I wanted to ensure that my fellow therapist wasn't getting discouraged, you know, when those celebrities or, socialites post or tweet those certain things getting all the attention when it's actually people out here doing the work so i made a video to encourage my therapist my fellow therapist clinicians to you know to keep up the good work and keep going and then i made another post um highlighting those same contradictions you know what i'm saying and that a lot of people was tagging them i think that got over maybe close to two three thousand um you know comments on it alone on my ig just because um, but I, I do think it's a walking contradiction a lot of times for artists, um, or it could just be a growth period, you know what I'm saying? So, mm. and the wild thing is like, they, they talk, even if you take uh, the, the artist from your city, Meek, like you said, like promote all this money, promote all this high living and everything. And then a month later, he was just saying he's broke, he need a lawyer or whatever the case is. So either way, it's a contradiction. So I think a, a lot of people are, mature enough and, and wise enough to just view it as oh they just rapping that's just art that's just you know that's entertainment they're trying to get paid but it is some people who actually hold on to every word and try to mimic those things or you know try to feel that they have to do a certain thing because these entertainers and artists are doing them yeah yeah i i just think of for for me and again still trying to extend grace because we recognize in this I ain't always have that. That light wasn't always switched on for me. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't always out here um, saying, excuse me, my black queen, you know, you mind if I talk to you for a minute? You know what I mean? I was doing the, hey, let's grab you by the hand in the club. You can't hear me, right? I'm thinking it makes sense, but in, re in actuality, no, that's problematic behavior, right? And so I'm extending enough grace for that. But I, th I do think there's a sense of, of accountability, as you know, that might be the word of the day, uh, accountability that comes from having a a platform and unfortunately we see so many people like live their trauma aloud right different than the space that how how we do it or is it right we talk about our experiences we just don't have no beat behind us right and and maybe because we're actively making working to to reduce harm in ourselves and reduce harm in, in another does, does that make sense yeah, yeah, and I think it's the way we articulate it, you know, uh, because we're not articulated it the way that they're articulated with the the destruction words or the the metaphors, um, you know, the similes and things like that. So it could be viewed differently, but I think all in all, some people might just want that message out there, you know what I'm saying? Because even if you like, you don't you don't really rock with J Cole, you know, like his <laughs> message is a little bit different, you know. Uh, but some of his bars are saying the same thing. His tone, his his vernacular, everything is just different. You know what I'm saying? So it it, it can be that deliverer too, who's delivering the message. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely I definitely agree with that. I listen. I like J Cole, right? I think there's some 
uh, consistency issues, right? I, and again, maybe it's a part of the growth journey, right? It's maybe it's why I got upset after after loving 444, like six months later, I'm like, dog, you 52 years old talking about, yo, I feel bad. And it's just like, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I, you, you recognize the influence that you've had to this point. And unfortunately, everybody doesn't have that come to Jesus moment where they're able to say, hey, you know, I sold Coke or hey, I've, I made big pimping and I had, I, I, I promoted this type of imagery. And, but I'm now going to switch it around because some folk, once they get into that lifestyle, for most folk who get into that lifestyle, there is no, uh, no, no do over. Right. It's just like once we're in this life, we're stuck for for whatever reason. And so it just had me thinking about just the role hip hop has played in our in our view of mental health and just us as, as black men, because as we said earlier, it's it's all inner intertwined. And I think in most cases, too, whoever got the loudest platform win, you know what I'm saying? So if it is that entertainer with the reach of a million people, they're going to out they're going to be louder than you and I with a couple thousand, you know, people. And we can be saying the most awesome message. We can be writing the, this book with a lot of intense knowledge in it, but somebody else can come along and just got a, a, a bigger platform and can write ABCs all through it. And, you know, they sell out or they got the attention that, you know, is, is supposed to be transpired to those people who are actually doing the work. So it happens that way sometimes. Yeah. So so how do you stay grounded when it when it happens? So full transparency, right? And shout out to the to the homie King J Barnett doing doing amazing things out here. Shout out to Rashawn doing amazing things. Paul Bache, uh Aaron Mo there's so right, many folk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, yourself. And you know, I'll be sitting back on my uh Oh, I don't like that. What, what was that from? Uh, from Belly. I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. Right? What he said there with the perv. With, with but the you exactly, exactly. And I don't even know if to say pause or not, because because you know toxic masculinity and all of that. But we adults here, right? So, yeah. but with that, like, how do you stay grounded? For me, I have to remind myself, like, because you. The, again, I, I partially blame hip hop, this competition over collaboration until you realize that all these white folk out here, they collaborate and your, your elites are collaborating. So it's an, and then when you collaborate, then you realize like, oh, no, we, we all in the same race together. Right. And so but how do you stay grounded when you see the Meeks talking about therapy? You're like, dog, I've, I've been in the trenches. Yeah. So for me, to be honest with you. <clears throat> Like I told you, before I even had a bachelor's, I was an entrepreneur. Uh, before, I mean, like, so I had two houses and a couple of businesses before I even had a bachelor's. So me pausing that, going back to school, get my bachelor's in clinical psychology, then get my master's in clinical mental health counseling, then starting my journey into the licensing process. Like I was already thinking like, yo, I'm specifically going to help people. Um, and to be real with you, those people that you mentioned, like I'm good with, you like, I don't got no issue with them. I refer to them all the time. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I talked to Rashawn today, um, talked to Jay today and, uh, a couple more other people just on some, yo, you good, you know, pace yourself, you're doing a lot, da, 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 on some, you know, cool stuff. Like yeah. I don't, I don't view this competition. Like I, I I'm just doing the work. It's going to reach who it's going to reach. It's enough people out here that need the message regardless of who it come from. I'm just glad that I'm in the conversation to be mentioned 
you know, with the people who are out here doing it as well. Um, you know, because it could have been a different way. My name could be mentioned with some people <laughs> who are not as upstanding. Yeah. So for, for me, and I, 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 I mean, I probably can speak for them too. Like we don't view it as competition. Um, yeah. We don't, we don't been on panels together. We don't been on podcasts and all kind of other stuff together. So it's always love. Um, and I know from my end, man, for like, I just want to do the work. Like it's going to reach you and need to reach um, no competition besides that guy in the mirror. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, you know, it's just me. Everything else is just there. You know what I mean? Word, word. No, I, I completely agree. I, they dope brothers. And it just shows you how, first, how small social media is, right? How folk are able to connect, but also shows you how lack of representation there is in this in this field, right? Whereas it's, it's somewhere between two and four percent of of black psychologists, psychiatrists, and mental health professionals uh, are black. Right. And so it's just like we all know. And it's just like it's just you get that look. Right. You get it. Everybody even got to throw up the fifth. But you just. I mean, that head nod because we recognize, you know, what we're pushing back against. Um, you know, we're doing uh, a work that I, I do believe is a calling. Right. Uh, and, and because it demands a lot. And so with that being said, uh, it demanding or not. What it being demanding, what does your self-care look like? Man, my self-care is phenomenal, good brother. Uh so oh, we see listen, of- fam, we see the foams in the background. Yeah. Like everybody's yeah. here. So like for real, like I do I, I rock with my family a lot, man. I got two girls, um, and a fiance. I'm getting married in March. So I spend a lot of time with them. Like my my life is like very low stress. Like it's not really uh like I said, I move how I want to move. I do what I want to do. I'm pretty much free. Um, so I do a lot of meditating, mindfulness and stuff. Um, and I, I journal a lot. I exercise a lot. I definitely ensure that I'm still active. I go to kickboxing a couple of days a week, okay. you know, so I'm, I'm pretty much free, man. And then I, I, I serve my community. So I'm always out engaging, inspiring and, and modeling a certain thing. So my community um can know what it is like oh he from where we from you know what i'm saying and i want that to 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 be for my daughters so when i'm doing community events they there with me you know they passing out different stuff they feeling less fortunate or or you know now they're inspiring saying they want to put together certain initiatives so for me that's a lot of self-care too just being able to just have an abundance of time with them Word. And so speaking of your of your daughters and speaking of, of being a father, we was lamenting earlier before I hit the record button about some things. Right. We'll keep that between us. But when we talk about, you know, fatherhood, what does a a healthier and that's what we'll call it. What does a healthier version of you mentally, physically and spiritually and emotionally mean to the two daughters that you're raising? Yeah. So uh, I think what. um a lot of parents feel like how I grew up, you know, like children didn't really have voices. It was, you know, this is grown folks business, stay over there type stuff. But for me, I'm more of a, yo, this is a learning process. You got, you're a sponge right now. You got to suck all this up. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely ensure that I put them in a position to learn everything they can, because I didn't have a me, you know, so to them, like they got an opportunity to not only learn emotional maturity, mental health, um, wellness, uh, entrepreneurship, you know, communication, 
like a lot of different things. So I ensure that I'm doing that. And I think a lot of parents oftentimes overcompensate with other things or material things and not necessarily those life principles, you know, so those things can be detrimental as well. Like we're talking about communication, we're talking about attachment styles or, um, you know, just like coping and different things to where like you got this kid and you don't even know that favorite color. You don't know what they're into, or you want them to live the way that you want them to live. And they got their own identity or they got their own perception of what they want to do. But of course, no, you're going to do what I say type thing. So for me, um, a healthy relationship with their parent is to have that open dialogue. And, and for the people out there who don't know, it's uh, different parenting styles, you know, and, and those things can be phenomenal if you do them implement them correctly um you know because it can affect that relationship that you have with your children one but also how your children are raised to be adults and interact with different people in the office or in the community and uh in their relationships you know even if <laughs> even if you look now you probably can go to work tomorrow or somebody um who's viewing us can go to work tomorrow and look around the office it's somebody who don't know how to communicate it's somebody who shut down when they met with resistance or become cantankerous when somebody just asked them a question like all of those things can be indications of how they were raised or how they wasn't raised you know um, so when we talk about the parenting styles or the attachment styles, all of those things show up in our relationships and our relationships with our peers or our intimate relationships. So being a healthy parent, you're monitoring those things, you're, you're crafting those things, but most importantly, I think you're modeling, you know, certain behaviors. Word. Well said, well said. Speaking of, of healthy parenting, as we get ready to, to wrap up, uh, we're talking about parenting. We're talking about fatherhood. I right, listen. I don't pay attention to. I I I'm not on the shade room. I, I'm not. I don't follow the shade room because I think that's problematic, right? But I do go there from time to time to see what's happening on the other side of the world, right? With with with, with my people. And, and one of the things that came up last week, and I and I wanted to just get your thoughts on it as a as a clinician and as a father, and the people will be able to see it on the screen. Um, there's this, there was a big firestorm uh, conversation about little boys specifically having a kitchen set. And it, it got so big, you know, the litmus says it got to Cardi B, where Cardi B is out here talking about, hey, this is problematic thinking, which salute to Cardi. So what are your, your thoughts on, first on this idea of black boys cooking in a, a kitchen as a, a tool, whether it's a toy or real, it don't matter, but cooking in the kitchen. So one, I would say, I think, again, that goes back to those gender identity things. And I think a lot of people are ignorant to it. A lot of people probably felt like, I don't know the context, you know, because like you, I don't engage in certain things. So I don't know the context. So I guess I'm taking it as in they were assuming that this boy would turn you know, or, or is identified itself or something for having a kitchen set or wanting a kitchen set. Um, but either way, to me, that's ignorant because perfect example, Gordon Ramsay, $220 million. That's his network. And all yeah. he do is cook or, or critique uh, different chefs, right? Um, but more importantly, cooking is a life skill, regardless of gender. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
but so to me, I don't get the logic in that. Uh, and to be real with you, like it's cooking that that right there was just probably one of the many examples in which um, people add to masculinity or a notch of masculinity. Because even I remember growing up in the projects and uh, we had a lot of boys that know how to flip. You know, we used to pull the mattresses Mattress out. out yep. Yeah. So, but think about how many men you see doing gymnastics. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. Or cheerleaders. Like, they were phenomenal. I'm sure they could have been in the, in the Olympics if they would have kept it up. And we was young doing all that. So, but that cooking thing, I view that as a life skill. Everybody should know how to cook. And, and I'll take it a step further. Prior to my relationship now, like, I still do it every now and again. But when it was just my, my daughter and I, every Saturday, I'm banging pots and pans. I'm vacuuming loud so she can know when she do get in a relationship in the future, this guy is not going to tell her, oh, that's a woman. I ain't cleaning up. I ain't doing X, Y, Z. Like, that's a woman's job. No, these are, are, are human roles, not specifically gender roles, you know. So, and and again, I think a lot of people are ignorant to it. There's no way that the sexual identity or the sexual preference is going to be determined by chores or life skills. You know what I'm saying? If one yeah. wants to be attracted to a certain sex or identify a certain way it's already embedded in them they don't need that you know chore or task or whatever this color or what like my favorite color is pink and um and you know funny story we was talking about the group home uh early i don't know how much time you got so i'll be no no we, we good okay yeah so when i was in the group home i was it was it was uh at any given time it was between 12 and 13 of us right all males all male group home and uh at probably eight or nine my favorite color turned to pink because for me it was strategy we had this young guy in there and he had poor social cues like now as a clinician i know he was autistic but back mm -hmm. then it was just like bro what do you you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah so like my man would use your toothbrush he would use your your brush he would just no boundaries no social cues no none of that right so for me, like, if you tell them, like, pink is for girls, don't touch it, you know what I mean? So my stuff was safe. So everything I had was pink, you know what I mean? My toothbrush, my hairbrush, my accessories. Fast forward, playing, playing ball in college, um, in high school, and, you know, all that, you, your accessories pink too. Something happened in the locker room, you can easily identify your stuff. Went to, went to the military, the same thing. Everybody had the blues, the blacks, the camos. My stuff was pink. So when the door, you know, the uh, barracks and everything, your ramsack or some loss in the field, I can easily identify my stuff. So for me, it was more about strategy, not thinking that somebody is going to assume, you know, I'm a certain gender or whatever. But even now, to this day, my, my fiance is a beautiful black woman, you know, but I say partner just to ensure that I'm uh, annoying people. You know what I'm saying? Like, because just, just because one, I, I think it's, I definitely believe that it's privileged that we can be in a position to do that because a lot of people are still um, chastised or demonized for their, their preference or choice in who they yeah. date. So I do believe it's privileged in being able to say my fiance or my lady or my wife or whatever. So I definitely say partner, um, just to one, it's none of your business. It doesn't really matter. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then two, again, there's not a lot of people who can say that um, without being, you know, objectified and things like that. So, yeah. You know, but for me, yeah, man, like I, I would definitely give my son a kitchen set. 
um, because it's a life skill. It's something that he has to learn. And the irony, the irony of that whole situation, it's probably a, a young lady or a a person now saying, yo, like I'm doing all the cooking, like you never cook, you know what I'm saying? Or like all of that stuff happens when they're young. All of those yeah. things are embedded and constantly grows up with this young, young mind, you know, it's constantly being crafted. If he shut down now and repeatedly shut down by the time he is to the age of, yeah, I got a family, I got to cook for him. Oh, wait, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to earn. I don't know how to do, you know, basic life skills because this was viewed as a woman's role or a girl's task. And now, you know, in the office, he's wrinkled or he's not eating properly and all of those things. I think people are just, they over-sexualize a lot of different things, not knowing that it doesn't work Agreed. that way. Agreed. No, they, they definitely over-sexualize everything. I, I was, I was ear hustling on a conversation and, uh, this sister was like her 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 boy her, her child's father was like her boys their sons are older now right they like i, I want to say like seven i want to say like the youngest might be seven and so or six or seven and she, she she shouldn't walk around um in a a bra and panties right and she like fam what are you what are you talking about right this i've, I've nursed them I, they came out of me <laughs> right. And so I, when we talk about this over sexualization of of children, right, these are some of the ways that it happens because we're, we're, it's like this is forbidden. This is a forbidden area. You're not supposed to see these things. And so they become uh, maladjusted in certain areas when it comes to this idea, idea of, of, uh, of sex, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and when it comes to to the, to the young boy in the kitchen set, man, it, again, it's one of those things, and it, it, I think it reinforces the point of why we don't necessarily need to be in involved in all of these spaces, right, and social media and things like that, because you get sucked down these rabbit holes, and next thing you know, you arguing with with a bot. Nine times out of ten, it's a bot, or it's it's somebody who's who's bored, who has issues with their own mental health, emotional health, or they just effing with you, and you take you took the bait, right? Uh, I we talk about survival, that's important. We talk about uh, it not being a part of anything related to his identity, sexual identity, that's important. But maybe he just wanted, it. you know what I mean? Or maybe he didn't just want it, and the 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 parent got it, they saw it, and they got it, and they thought of him and gave it to him. Like sometimes we we overanalyze so many things that we don't allow children to just be children, right? Yeah. He just he's just chilling at his kitchen, right? And yeah, he ain't got to worry about yeah later on for survival and things like that for sure. But right now he's just he's 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 uh you know he's he's meeting those developmental milestones by doing this, right? He's working on hand eye coordination. He's he's working on uh critical thinking. Okay, what I'm gonna put this in here and put that in there and patience. And so all these other skills that are being honed, but folk so hyper focused on it. Maybe it's the you know, it's just something with the black community in general when it comes to to sexual identity in black boys. Were you gonna say something? Yeah, I mean, again, Gordon Ramsey, man, 220 million. Quarterbacks not really making that. Running backs not making that. If they are, it's for that brief time period. You know, your rappers and entertainers not, you know what I mean? So 
I, I don't know, man. But like you said, I think it's something that's been reinforced through us from generation to generation that, hey, if he do this, he's going to turn a certain way. Or if she do this, it's nah, like, yo, let kid to me, kids are kids. And that developmental period is definitely important. And how you respond to them developing is definitely important as well. Because again, like to me, these are human roles. These are human skills that he's going to need. If he can't have it as a kid, when is it appropriate time for him to learn? Like when it's on a real stove and potentially burn your house down or burn himself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how I view it. Like this is a learning opportunity if he's six or seven. Hey, make sure you cut your, your play owl off. Make sure you put your pots and pans out the way, you know, so you're not causing a fire or whatever. So as he is developing into this teenager or this adolescent, he knows like, oh, I had a place that when I was six. Let me cut this off before I burn some. Or let me put these dishes away. Like to me, that's more critical than saying, oh, he's going to be attracted to something else or he's going to be soft or whatever the case is. Like, I don't really understand that thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, Nah, even with girls, little girls playing with toys, like trucks or army figures or whatever. And, and to be real with you, like my daughter is nine now. I remember when she was six, she went to this birthday party and this lady was like, oh, the girl's getting uh, frozen characters. And my daughter looked around like, nah, I want to I want I want to paint Deadpool. You know what I'm saying? So downstairs, it's a, a Deadpool in the snow, like what she painted at six. Yeah. Uh, and it was just weird because, you know, she looked at me like, cause in my house is gender affirming. It's, you know, I mean, everything it's like inclusive, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so when she looked at me, she like, cause she know, like, I don't say, oh, this is the girl, this is boys or whatever. So when the lady was like, oh no, the girl's got to get the frozen characters. She's like, no, nah, I want to, I want to paint Deadpool. So, you know, it just was wild. But yeah. for me, like, that's what it is. Like, I'm promoting a healthy human being, not specifically a healthy gender. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, like, you can do whatever you want to do. You can break down all those barriers and accomplish what you want to accomplish as a human. Like, human qualities, being a good human is definitely better impacting than than, than a teaching somebody how to be a good boy or a good girl. Word, word. Listen, man, time, time flies. I'm sure we could sit here and just chop it up forever. Not that I'm on any time constraints because I ain't getting paid for this. Not yet. Right. We're going to throw that in the atmosphere. Uh, um, so when I do send my daughter back to private school, I might have some coins. So uh, again, hit that subscribe button. James, listen, it's, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you coming through. So how can the people reach you? Good brother, I definitely appreciate you extending the invitation. I think the easiest way to get to me is through my website, www.mentohea.com. And on that website, you can subscribe to my YouTube as well, which is monetized. So I get a couple of dollars. Um, let, me, let me borrow the file then, man. You know what I mean? Send a couple of people my way. Like us. My, uh, my <laughs> website also has my book on there. So make sure you go and get that good stock and stuff or two. And it also has my board game on there. Yep, that's right. Black man created a board game uh, called Cheesy Dates. So that's on there as well. Wait, so so I'm sorry to cut you off, but back to the board game because I, I did see that. So what's the what's the premise of the of the board game? So man, Cheesy Dates, man. So it's uh this is the board. Of course, it got the pawn, the dice, and two sets of cards. One set of cards is uh different date ideas because oftentimes uh people run 
dry on that spontaneity. So it's probably 40 to 50 different date ideas in there. And then the other set of cards is those tough conversations that you should have in a relationship Mm. or uh, in a marriage or before the relationship, you know, like how do you have a conflict? Do you got a will? Uh, what if I lose my job? Are you willing to take care of me? You know, and just a lot of different. Oh, you got them, 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 them breakup questions, like that's... or them real life questions, <laughs> or the, them, them real life that the we either gonna stay together, or we breaking up after we play this. Exactly, and you know what's wild though? <laughs> I was in, I was conducting a marriage session, man, and these this couple been married uh, probably four years at the time, and um, it came up to where the husband. He was like, yo, I'm, I'm tired. Like, I don't help you get to school. You got you a good job now. I want to take this year off, you know, and, and just center myself and get back. And his wife of four years looked at him like, I ain't taking care of no grown man. You know what I'm saying? Like on some, not yeah. to mention, like, yo, we not, not only that, like we're married. Like I help you get your bachelor's. You yeah. know, you got your job now. Like I just want to, you know, so. It's a tough, uh, a couple of different questions in there that that will assist you in navigating like, yo, who am I about to get in a relationship with or who am I in this relationship with? So I'm just fortunate, man. I, You know, just doing different stuff. Word, word. So once again, and you can get the board game, you can get the book, you can find out how to connect with, with James, a.k.a. Mr. Men to Heal at his website, mentoheal.com. Listen, brother, I appreciate you coming through. Thank you so much. My man, appreciate you. Thanks for extending the invitation. Keep up the good work too, boss. Oh, no doubt. No doubt you too.